Morning, church. Good to see everybody today. Nice, cool morning. It's, uh, this is good napping weather. Of course, at my age, any weather's good napping weather. Uh, it can be sunny, rainy, whatever. Um, we had a group that was at Honduras last week. Bruce, uh, our youth minister, Katie, some adult sponsors, some of our young people went to Honduras. Everybody's back safely. So uh, thank you for your prayers for their safety, and I'm sure we'll be hearing about that report. Got some people in the audience, got a lot of visitors today. Dolly Brown, good to see Dolly back. She uh, had surgery, and I know just uh, being up and about makes you feel better, and it's good to have you with us. So Shane and Tracy Cowan, two of my favorite people. I mean, everybody loves Shane and Tracy Cowan, right? Every time they're here, I'm like, are you moving back? Are you moving back? So I asked Shane today if, if an Aggie and a Sooner could both go to heaven. He said it would take different elevators. But I guess we can both go. So we are in a series called Next Steps, but I need to take you back in time today. No, we're not changing the clocks again. I'm not messing with your sleep, although it takes about a week to recover from, from the, the spring time change for some reason. Um, I, I read something. I was following somebody. Spencer hooked me up with Twitter. So I don't know how it works. I don't know what's going on. But one guy said the Monday after time change ought to be a holiday just so that we can recover. It takes me about a week to recover. And uh, then this week, uh, you know, Rodney's mom's here. We were able to go see family as well. We went out to Abilene to see Sydney and Justin and Kelly's grand dogs. And uh, we got to go see Spencer and Christine this week. So we've been traveling, trying to catch up. Today I want to take you back in time, and I have permission. Now I'm going to go back about 32 years. I've got permission to show you some pictures. So I need to take you back 32 years to when <clears throat> there was a young lady in my life that I wanted to... Uh... Okay, that's enough. We can end the sermon right here and right now if we're going to keep that up. I had a good friend one day, and he said, Hey, there's these two girls that work down at United Grocery. United is a chain in western Oklahoma, based out of Altus, maybe, in west Texas. And uh, there's these two girls. Let's go take them to lunch. And so Ted and I went down there, and Kelly and, was it Terry Rickenball? <clears throat> we met them coming out. We said, Hey, y'all want to do lunch? Nope. And uh, th th they, they didn't want to do lunch. But I pursued Kelly. And it took um, everything that I had to pursue Kelly. And she was not interested in me. Amen? <laughs> Can I get an amen from Kelly? So here's what I did. I just bothered her to death. I would go to United Grocery. Kelly worked aisle two. And I would just show up. And I would give her notes that would say... Now, please understand, we're, we're not, whatever you call it today, we're not hanging, we're not dating, we're not seeing each other. And I would give her notes that would say, hey, what's your ring size and will you marry me? <laughs> I mean, I, I was, she was the one. And she had nothing to do with me. <clears throat> so finally, maybe out of my persistence or charm or good looks, she started showing a little bit of interest. And so I would go to her apartment and we would watch TV and listen to the Beach Boys. And I balanced her checkbook, which she hadn't balanced in since Noah. 
So maybe that impressed her. But Christmas break came, and Kelly was going home to see her mom. I bought her some roses, and I kissed her for the first time. And she'll tell you, and I will amen, wasn't anything there. (laughs) Wasn't happening. January rolled around, and nothing was happening. I mean, this girl is showing me no attention. And so we get to the end of January. She wouldn't give me the time of day, so I bought her a watch. I'm serious. I bought her a very nice watch. I bought her a very nice watch. Didn't work. So there was a group of our friends going to Oklahoma City, which was about an hour away, and going out, just going to Oklahoma City to go out to eat. And she said, hey, you want to go? And I'm like, really? Yes, I want to go. So we drove to Oklahoma City. I believe it was my birthday, wasn't it? We get home from there, and she said, hey, what do you want for your birthday? And I said... You. I'm serious. I'm not making this up. And uh, so she said yes, and four months later we got married. Now I need to tell you something about before that, all right? I, I, whatever Kelly was interested in, whatever Kelly cared about, that's what I was going to show interest in. So I need to tell you that Kelly was into racquetball. So I found a racquetball court. I don't know if you've ever played racquetball. You walk in and they close you in and you're surrounded by four walls just trying to avoid a hard rubber ball. That if you get hit by a racquetball, it hurts. The racket was smaller than I was accustomed to. It wasn't tennis. It, it wasn't a tennis ball. But Kelly liked racquetball, so... I was going to like racquetball. Whatever Kelly cared about, that's what I cared about. So if she showed an interest in racquetball, I was going to show an interest in racquetball. So we go to play racquetball, and Kelly was very good. And Kelly had this serve that if you've played racquetball, she could stick it back in the corner, and I'd be back in the corner, and I'm just, just, trying, to, I'm just trying to hit the ball. And she turned around and said something like, you don't have to be nice. You can hit the ball. And I'm like, no, I can't. <laughs> so I tell you all that because <clears throat> we, we ended up getting married. Oh. Okay, enough of that. 32 years now coming up in June. I, I, I tell you all that because we're talking about next steps. I'm going to tell you about this survey every week, and I'm going to come back to the racquetball deal. There was a survey in 2008, they asked 80,000 people from 200 churches. The question was, what's the most important thing you want from your church? And the answer is, one of the top answers challenged me to grow and take the next step. They wanted to know, can spiritual growth be predicted? Can spiritual growth be measured? So if I'm right here on my spiritual journey, are there some steps that I can take that make me look more like Jesus, that make me look like more like a fully devoted Christ follower. So that's what we've been looking at is some steps, next steps. Now, the reason I I told you about Kelly and racquetball, when you love somebody, you're going to show interest in whatever they show interest in. You're going to care about whatever they care about. If Kelly cares about racquetball, then I was going to care about racquetball. If Sydney cares about track, then I'm going to show interest in track. If Spencer cares about tennis, then I'm going to show interest in, in tennis. Whatever, if you love somebody, you're going to care about whatever they care about. And if you love God, you're going to care about whatever God cares about. So that's our next step today is we want to look at what does God care about. Because in my spiritual journey, if I want to look more like Jesus 
then I want to care about the things that Jesus cares about and the thing that God cares about. So I'm going to tell you a couple stories today. And the first one is coming up, but I need to tell you this. What does God care about? The Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. These next three are other translations. To find what was lost. To search for what was lost. To find lost people. Okay? What does God care about? For God demonstrates His own love for us in this while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. For God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. God is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What does God care about? Well, God loves lost people. God loves all people. All people are lost. For all have sinned and fall short. God doesn't just love church people. God loves all people. And if God loves all people, then we need to love all people. And if God cares about people, then we need to care about people. So the next step in our journey is, what does God care about? And we're going to look at that. And here's what I want you to remember today. Found people find people. Found people find people. Who are the found people? Christ followers are found people. And the Bible never gives any other impression except Christ followers find people. Now, I'm not going to guilt you into sharing your faith. I'm not going to guilt you into evangelism. I just want you to know that God cares about lost people. And if we're going to follow God, then we need to care about lost people. So I'm going to give you two illustrations today. The first one's in John chapter 1. Our adult Bible classes are studying John. Maybe you've already looked at this. Let's read. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, finding Philip. He said to him, follow me. I underlined finding Philip. Did Philip find Jesus? Or did Jesus find Philip? Jesus found Philip. Sometimes people will say, well, you know, I found God. And I'm thinking, he wasn't lost. You don't find God. Romans says, no one seeks God. You've heard about storm chasers, people that go chase storms to find storms. There are no God chasers. No one seeks God. God seeks us. God finds us. The reason we're saved is because God finds us. Jesus found Philip and said to him, follow me. There's a lot of people maybe in this audience today. Maybe you've been in church your whole life, but you've never followed Jesus. Maybe you were born in a church. Maybe your mother gave birth to you in a church. Maybe you immediately started going to Bible class. Maybe you attended vacation Bible school till you were 35 and they said, don't come anymore. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. But you know what? That doesn't mean you followed Jesus. The reason I say that is there's probably some people in the audience today that if I said, if you died today... Would you go to heaven? And you might say, I don't know. How can you say you don't know when you were birthed in church? When you've been here your whole life, you should know. But maybe the reason you don't know is because you've never followed Jesus. Or you followed church and you followed men and you followed traditions and you followed some of those things. Jesus found Philip and said, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathaniel. Found people, find people. Found people, find people. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathaniel's kind of skeptical. Nazareth? 
Can anything good come from there? He's kind of skeptical. Now I want you to notice, Philip doesn't argue with Nathaniel. He doesn't fight with Nathaniel. He brings Nathaniel to a place where Nathaniel can meet Jesus. Listen, church, I don't think it's our responsibility to fight with people. I don't think our calling is to argue with people. I think we need to bring people to a place where they can see Jesus and meet Jesus. That's our responsibility. So I coined a little phrase. I thought of this. The first one, found people, find people. I stole that one. I'm sorry. I, I stole that. But isn't it good? I like it. This next one, I made up. I'm taking credit. Don't fight. Invite. Don't fight with people. Invite people to a place where they can see Jesus, where they can meet Jesus. He says, come and see. Philip says, come and see. Just come and see. I'm not going to argue with you. Just come and see. I'm not going to wrestle with you. Just come and see. Listen, it's not our responsibility to change people. It's our responsibility to get people to Jesus, to meet Jesus, so Jesus can change people. It's not our responsibility to legislate morality. It's not our responsibility to do a lot of things. But it is our responsibility to get people to Jesus because found people find people and they get them to Jesus. Listen, folks, you need to get people to Jesus. You need to get people in situations because found people find people. Let me give you another one. We read from Mark chapter 5. There's a big, long story there. Let me tell you what's going on in Mark 5. In Mark, 4, Mark chapter 4, Jesus has just silenced the wind and the waves. Jesus speaks, and the wind and the waves respond to him. And then they get out of the boat, and they land at a cemetery. And this guy who lives at the cemetery, sounds kind of odd, doesn't it? Most people at the cemetery are not alive. This guy lives there which was not uncommon. This guy lives at the cemetery and he's demon-possessed. And if you read about him, his hair's messed up and he's naked and he's screaming and he's yelling. And if I was a disciple, I'd get back in the boat and start rowing. But Jesus casts the demons out of this guy. He casts them into a herd of pigs and the pigs go off into the water. And the next thing you know, this crazy guy is sitting in his right mind and he's fully clothed. And Jesus and the disciples are about to leave and they notice they got somebody extra in the boat. As Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus didn't let him go. I mean, if you just encountered Jesus, wouldn't you want to go with Jesus? Wouldn't you want to hang with Jesus? Jesus said, not today. Not today. I want you to go home to your family. That one grabs me. This guy had a family. He's demon-possessed, been living in a cemetery, and this guy has a family. And Jesus says, go home to your wife, go home to your kids, go home to your extended... Go home to your family. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He's had mercy on you. Why? Because found people find people. Check this out. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, in a ten-city area. The man went to a ten-city area and said... Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. He didn't argue with them. He didn't fight with them. He didn't say, let me tell you what you need to do. He said, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. And the people were amazed. Why would he do that? Because found people find people. Listen, church, I'm not going to guilt you into sharing your faith. 
But it's not our responsibility to tell other people what they need to be doing. Maybe our responsibility is just to tell people what God's done for us. What Jesus has done for us. Because found people find people and they share their testimony. Because if you love God, you're going to love the things that God loves. And the next step in your walk, the next step in becoming more like Christ, is to share your faith. Now let me tell you something about sharing your faith. Not only is it beneficial to the people you're talking to, in this research that I told you about, 80,000 people, 200 churches, they found out that when people share their faith, their faith becomes stronger. That's why I like the verse in Philemon. I think it's verse 6. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you can have a full understanding of what we've been given in Jesus. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith. Not only is sharing your faith beneficial for the people you're sharing it with, but as you're becoming more like Christ and taking that next step, it is a huge catalyst in your spiritual walk with Jesus. God loves lost people, and the next step that you need to take is to love the things that God loves. Now, I've probably told you this story before too. Many years ago, I don't know how Sydney's tw- how it's 21, if it, Sydney was five or six or seven, we just moved here. And uh, I had the kids with me, I'm not sure Kelly was, maybe back in Oklahoma with her mom. And so I don't know if we were on the way there or on the way back, but we stopped at Rip Griffin's. You remember Rip Griffin's over by Terrell? It's not Rip Griffin's anymore. And Sydney was about five, Spencer was about seven, somewhere in there, maybe six and eight, and we went traipsing in, and I turned around, and Sydney's gone. I mean, she's gone. And at that age, Sydney was a clinger. I mean, she wouldn't let go of us. And I turned around, and Sydney's gone, and Rip Griffin's truck stop. I wigged. I freaked. I mean, Spencer and I are all through that store just going, looking. I mean, I'm thinking, she's lost. She's gone. Next thing you know, here comes Sydney out of the women's restroom with a big old smile on her face, and she's like, what's up? I think about that story every so often because if I freak and wig and panic when my child is lost, I wonder if that's how God feels about lost people. God will go to any extreme to find lost people. And if we care about God, then we're going to care about the things God cares about. And so found people find people. So who do you know who needs Jesus? I know you know somebody. You're thinking, well, I knew we'd get to this point in the sermon. Listen, listen, listen. Here's what I want you to do. I just want you to write their name down. I want you to put it on your fridge. I want you to pray for them. I want you to pray for an open door. I want you to pray for boldness. I want you to pray that they come to Jesus. I want you to pray that you can bring them, bring them, invite them. Don't fight with them. Invite them. Invite them to church. Invite them to your small group. Invite them. You should have invited them to the a cappella concert. You can invite them to the okie dokie concert we got. The reason we do stuff like that is to give you opportunities for you to tell people, come and see, invite them. But you need to care about the people that God cares about. So do you think you know anybody who needs Jesus? Do you think maybe this church could grow to a thousand 
Because we started caring about the people God cares about, and you're like, whoa, a thousand. How about we grow to 800? Nah, I don't know about 800. Well, how about... Isn't it amazing to me that you can, I can mention some football stadiums and it doesn't even cross your mind to think otherwise. If I tell you that the University of Michigan or the University of Tennessee or A&M can pack 100,000 people into a football game, we don't think anything of it. To think that Taylor Swift can go to, to about any arena and have 40 or 50 or 60,000 people come just to listen to her sing. And that... Yet when you mention a thousand, you're like, eh, I, I, I don't know if God can do that. God can't do that if we don't care about the things that God cares about. Listen, folks, found people, find people. Don't go argue with them. Don't go fight with them. Just go talk to them about what Jesus has done in your life. That's the next step in your spiritual journey. That's the next step in becoming like Christ. That's the next step in looking more like Jesus. What do Christ followers look like? Look around. They look a lot different in different ways. What do Christ followers do? They care about the things that Christ cares about. And they love the things that God loves. So the next step in your spiritual journey is to find people. Maybe there are people at work. Maybe there are people in your neighborhood. Maybe there are a waiter or a waitress that you'll see today. Maybe it's somebody in your family. Found people, find people. I know, it's, you're thinking, can we do an easier one? Can we do an easier one? Listen, folks, found people, find people. It's not about you. Rodney prayed that this morning. It's not about you. It's about God. You know that song we sing that God is mighty to save? God is mighty to save. It's not our responsibility to change people. What was that song we used to sing in VBS, but as adults we're afraid to sing it anymore? This little light of mine, I'm going to... No, kids sing that. Might do some good for some adults to sing that. This little light of mine... This week, here's what I want you to do. Just go let your light shine. Just hold up the torch. Just let your light shine. Just let people... You want to know how to change this community? Let your light shine. You want to know how to change your work? Let your light shine. You want to know how to change your marriage and your family? Let your light shine. You want to know how to change a dark world? Let the light shine. Just show people Jesus. Just show people what Jesus has done in your life. We offer the invitation of Jesus Christ today. It's His invitation. It's not our invitation. It's not to join this church. It's to join His church. Because God so loves the world... That if you'd have been the only lost person in the world, I believe, if I'd have been the only lost person in the world, I believe God would have still sent His Son. God sent His Son to the whole world to save the world, to rescue the world, because God is in the finding business and God wants to find each and every one of you. And so we offer the invitation of Jesus for you to respond to His invitation to repent of your sins to be baptized in the blood of Jesus so that you can become a new creation, a Christ follower. If you need to meet with our shepherds, they'll meet you in the back and they'll go to a room privately and embrace you in prayer and lift you up. If you need to respond to the invitation today, please do so as we stand and sing.